Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. If you could grab your Bibles, you're going to need those because that's what we do. And the main place I'd like you to be is Matthew chapter 22, and we will be uh, verse 36 through 40. We're going through a series called uh, The Bible for Dummies. What's up, BT? This guy is no dummy with the Bible, so if you have any questions about the Bible, he knows it. He only has two. (laughs) Now, uh, this... We, we're in a new technological season here at Branches. Everything is different. We got a new floor, which we just found out about this morning when we showed up. Um, and that gives us this nice little glare that we had earlier. So uh, he fixed that. Now, I, I think this goes in and out sometimes. We have this new problem. So if it goes in and out, if you could just hand me the um, handheld, because I can't hear when it goes in and out. So if anybody knows where that is. So, um, and I'm also warning you this morning... Usually, uh, you know that I, I have like notes, meaning it, it, basically it's like six words, like don't forget to hit this, this, this. Well, you know you're in trouble because I've got this going on over here, these papers. I've got my notebook that I don't usually bring. I've got my phone. I've got a Bible with a script. So we're going crazy this morning. I'm just warning you ahead of time, um, and I'm going to pray for us because uh, we're going to need to pray. You'll see why. Father God, um, this is your time. We are never attempting to put on a production. We are attempting to gather to please you, to bring you honor, to come obediently. And so we ask, Father, that your Holy Spirit would truly be the one that speaks this morning. Through the music, through the family business, through the closing, through the scriptures, through everything. So we surrender to you in the name of our Savior Jesus. Amen. Uh, so I remember I was part of an organization called Young Life, and uh, many of you know that. Um, it's an organization for teenagers. It's kind of a Christian big brother, big sister program, and it, it, was, it was and is still very dear to our heart. When I started on staff, I was aware that I wasn't a grown-up. And what I mean by that, I mean, I mean, obviously I had, at that point, I had hair under my armpits and on my chest and unfortunately a little coming out of my ears, but <laughs> I, I knew that I wasn't a grown-up. I knew that there were holes in who I was. I, I could look at others and say, you know what, I, I wanna be like them, meaning like I wanted to grow up to be like them. And there was one person in particular uh, named Randy Justa, and I went up to him. I, I was on staff for a little bit, and we had our staff meetings where we'd come from all over California, Southern California, Central California. We'd come together and meet. And I said, Randy, I want you to mentor me. Um, I said, I, I, I'm looking at your life, and, and that's the life I want. I want to grow up to be like you, basically. And, uh, you know, such a dear old uh, man, he completely blew me off for two years. 
And uh, at the end of those two years, we were, uh, I'd, I'd always find it, because even though he didn't officially say, yeah, he didn't say no. He just went, oh, it sounds great. He smiled all the time. In fact, he smiled so much that he had these uh, permanent wrinkle marks. I think they're called crow, crow's feet. Yeah, he had the crow's feet thing going on out of his eyes because he was just always so smiley. So he did it with a smile. He blew me off with a nice smile, but he never really followed up. He never said, yeah, let's get together and we'll do this and we'll do this. He's like, oh, that'd be great. And then nothing. But that's not an excuse on my part. So I found a way at all these retreats. I'd call ahead of time to the administrator and I'd say, look, Make sure Randy and I are in the same room. She goes, I get it, I get it. You call all the time and you say this, I get it, fine. Um, I would make sure we drove together. Hey, I'll come by, I'll pick you up. Hey, I'll, I'll pay for the guy, whatever, just so I could be around him because I wanted to grow up. I wanted to, I knew that there were holes in my life and I wanted it to, I wanted to mature. And I knew that this was a man that was following the Lord, that had, had rounded off so many of those edges in his life. And so finally, after two years, he said, okay, you know, you talked to me a while. I thought he just forgot. He said, you know, you talked to me about mentoring you. And he said, I'll do it. And I was like, well, what took you so long, man? I've been going on this for two years. And he said, because I didn't know if you were serious. He goes, there's tons of people that come in and out of Young Life staff. He'd been doing it at that point for 20, 30 years and most people in any kind of youth ministry, the, the average stay of a person in youth ministry is 18 months. So I think he added an you know, extra six months on there. But he's, he, he didn't know if I was still going to be around. What we're going to talk about this morning is growing up. What does it mean to grow up? And the, we're, we're going through this series, The Bible for Dummies. And the passage that we're looking at this morning is Matthew 22, 36 through 40, which is the great commandment. But like I said, I got notes all over here for a reason because we're going to hit a ton of scriptures. And, and there's a scripture that came to my mind when, we were, when Randy and I were um, dating because uh, I was courting him and he was blowing me off. Um, and it's 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, Here's what it says. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, and I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. And one of the reasons that um, I'm taking this approach to this morning is because we as a church need to grow up. And I don't mean that in a condescending way. I mean that in a very serious, sincere way. Um, and not just branches, and not just the churches here in Southern California, but the church, the big C, well, I guess not the entire big C, because I'm just talking about the United States in general. But we as a church, in the way that we're handling these elections, the way that we've handled these policies, the way that we treat each other, is not mature. It is not grown up. And when we look at what this means in 1 Corinthians, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. So what does that mean for us then? Now, I am not going to be talking about politics this morning. I'm not very passionate about it. And um, I'm scared to death about talking to you about it. 
I think you'll be very aware, even my best friends, I don't talk to you guys about politics because you scare the crap out of me. <laughs> Literally. Like, if anything's said, it just comes out. I have, I've talked to my wife, and I've talked to uh, John Norton. Those are the two I've talked with because those are the two that I felt safest with to ask questions because we aren't asking questions. We're not even listening to each other. We are just exploding onto each other. And that is immature. That is not grown up. So what does maturity mean? What does this mean? We're, we're going to spend most of our time in Scripture. As I was praying about this, the Lord was very clear to me. Because um, I felt myself drifting in this direction, and then I felt him kind of correcting me back. I felt myself drifting in the direction of talking about politics and talking about specifics. And he said, you know what your job is? You know what you do on Sunday mornings? Teach my word. That's what we're going to look at. But each of us needs to listen and say, Lord, where, what do you want me to hear from his word? I'm going to do my best to try to get myself out of the way and to let his word come across. Um, so I want to pray for us, and then I want us to jump into his word. Father, we surrender our minds and our hearts and our passions and Father, I want to I pray this scripture that we would not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but that we would be transformed by your Holy Spirit and that it would renew our minds so that we may know your will, your good, perfect, and pleasing will. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so this is the definition that you're going to see over and over again in Scripture here. Maturity. Um, to be mature, to be grown up, means to consider the interest of others above our own. That is the scriptural definition of maturity. To put the interests, the needs, another person above yourself. It's a pretty simple definition, but, but easy to understand when you look, think about a baby. Baby is a definition of not mature, right? And a baby really doesn't care much about you. It doesn't care about anything else. All a baby cares about is itself. It, a baby cannot think outside of his or herself because, well, it's a baby. But as a baby grows up, it begins to become aware of what's happening outside. It becomes aware of, oh, there are other people. Wait, they're like me. Instead of a, a baby, we don't go, oh my gosh, you are so selfish. Because we expect that of a baby. Because, but a baby will eventually learn and be able to differentiate and know that there are other people and that they have hearts and wills and desires and they have tender spots and they have passions and that they are human. And so here as we look, we're going to start here in Matthew 22, 36 through 40. And this is a verse that you've seen and and as, as you know, um, when I am the one up here teaching, my passion is usually just choose one passage and just go as deep as we can in that. And sometimes it's only a verse because, I mean, the word of God is, it's as wide and as deep as you could possibly imagine. And I always feel overwhelmed when we're looking at his word because if we add a lot of scripture, I'm feeling like, well, we're never, we're just going to be too shallow with it. So let's really just have one verse and go deep, but... We're going to take a different approach this morning. But if we were to only choose one verse, this would be it. Love the Lord your God 
with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And if this was the only verse, there's too much packed in there, as we will see at the very end. Um, So I would probably focus on just the second half. Love your neighbor as yourself. So what does that mean to say love your neighbor as yourself? Uh, For example, I'm a big fan of um, strawberry shortcake. Had some last night. And unfortunately, only had one because my wife is very mature and gave a lot to everybody else. But to her husband, he only got one. So if you were to love me and I were to think I needed to love you as myself, I could easily look at a passage like that and go, oh, well, I'm going to treat them the way I would want to be treated. And so I will do what I like. I will give them strawberry shortcake. Except you're allergic to strawberries. But yeah, well, I'm loving you, loving you as I would myself. So deal with it. Well, that's obviously not what that passage is saying. Obviously, we're talking about something a lot deeper than strawberry shortcake. To love someone as ourself, we have to know them. Right? We gave the analogy of the baby. A baby eventually gets to the point where it understands that there are humans outside of them. And yet for us, we can sometimes become so centered on ourselves that we don't look outside and understand others. We are so dramatically different from each other. We are, we are well, <laughs> this season has made that very clear. One of the things that I'll hear constantly in this political climate is, I don't understand, and I, and I haven't heard from just one people, I hear from tons of people. I don't understand how that person can follow Christ and believe that. Heard that? Felt that? Because you are not knowing them. It's not like, oh my gosh, you voted for that person, you believe this issue, you're on this side of that issue, you must not be a person following Jesus, obviously, because I am, and I'm over here. And there's this confusion and distraction. Well, here's something very important to remember. Um, I plan on saying this later. Like I said, we're going all over the place. I had to warn Heidi in the back with the slides. I said, hey, Heidi, honestly, you're just going to have to pay close attention because I have no idea where I'm going. I have an order. It's all planned. But just knowing myself, I could see me taking a detour. And here's one of those detours. To love does not mean we have to agree. To love does not mean agreement. And our responsibility to each other, above all, is to love our neighbor as ourself. This, these This is the greatest commandment, to love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. But you cannot love your neighbor as yourself if you're not going to listen to them because you don't know them and you don't know how they need to be loved. There is a step of maturity where you put the interest of others above yourself, but how can you do that unless you listen to them? And we as a church have stopped listening to each other. Now, I hope that we don't shrink this down to just politics and what's happening in our in our nation, because it's bigger than that. It goes deeper than that. It has to do with our marriages. It has to do with our parenting. It has to do with our, our, the people we work with. It has to do literally with our neighbors. How can they possibly yell at me about their 
my tree going into the yard, their yard as their tree is in my yard. How can they do that? Well, understand them. What is going on inside of them? Where do they come from? Why do they think this way? This is bigger than that. If we're going to follow Christ, then we need to understand what does it mean to love our neighbor as ourself. So we're going to jump into a few scriptures here. Um, can you go to the next scripture, Heidi? So this is Philippians 2, 1 through 5. And um, this is con- the contemporary English version translation. Um, so if I start saying it from memory and it sounds different, it's because I memorized it in a different version. But I chose this one because I think it's so powerful. I think it's so powerful in context of what it means to be mature. Because, like I said, I look to Randy, and I can think of several other people in my life where I thought, these are mature men or these are mature women. I want to grow up to be like them. But if we truly want to grow up, we need to look to Jesus Christ, who was the most mature person that ever walked the face of the earth. And in this passage, Paul is talking to his little church in Philippi, and he says, if there's any encouragement in you, or as this translation says, as Christ encourages you and his love comforts you, God's spirit unites you and you are concerned for others. Now make me completely happy. Live in harmony by showing love for each other. Be united in what you think as if you were only one person. Well, that sounds weird, doesn't it? in terms of what I just said. Because how can you think the same thing? Well, he's not talking about issues. He's talking about what matters. Be united together intent on one purpose. What's that? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's our job. People often will, will talk to us, me in particular, and then of course, Branch's leadership. Where does Branch's stand on this issue? Where does Branch's stand on this issue? You know what, we have our hands full with loving God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving our neighbors ourselves, We have our plate completely overflowing with just this passage. And we aren't getting this down straight. So if we are not mastering this, who are we to step outside of that? And that doesn't mean these issues aren't important. It doesn't mean we don't have a dialogue about that. But let's keep the main thing the main thing. And if we're not doing that, let's not stretch outside and pretend that we are mature in other areas when we're not. Be united in what you think as if you were only one person. Don't be jealous or proud, but be humble and consider others more important than yourselves. Care about them as much as you care about yourselves and think the same way that Jesus Christ thought. And for many of you that know this passage, you know where it goes from there, right? Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but took on the nature of a servant or a slave. To who? Who did Jesus take on the nature of a servant and a slave to? To his father and to us. He gave himself away. The ultimate act of maturity, he put the needs of others above his own. That's what we're called to. And so often in the dialogue, not only politically, but relationally, we're having monologues. We're just talking. We're not listening. We're not putting their interest above ours. We seek first to be understood 
than to understand. Let's look now at um, another passage. And a passage you already started on. And it's a passage you know. 1 Corinthians 13, we looked at verse 11. And Paul's talking to another church, church in Corinth. And he says, hey, you know, I put childish things behind me. Well, as we try to do so often, we want to take that and read it in context. Because you can't just pull scripture out by itself all alone and go, oh, look at this, and make it mean what you want it to mean. And it's in a bigger context. I've reached a new point in my life where I need glasses. And uh, I'm not a big fan of that, and I forgot to bring them this morning. So if I start going like this and that, there's a reason for it. But I want you to grab your Bibles. If you don't have your Bibles, grab your phones. If you don't have the Bible app on your phone, then don't listen to anything I say now and go to the app store and load a Bible app. You have the gift to have the Bible, the Word of God with you wherever you go. And maybe some of you, oh, I need to get around to that. I need to get around that because, let's face it, you're technologically challenged and you are a, um, uh, what they call a late adapter. This is your opportunity to adapt. Don't listen to anything else I say. I'd rather you have the Word of God wherever you go, however you go, which is why we can go around and just hand out two Bibles because we assume that you have the Word of God with you. You either brought it in this form or you have it in your phone. Um, so just type Bible in App Store, the first one that pops up. It's the best one. Take it. Run with it. But the Bible's the Bible. So the passage that I read to you is verse 11. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. Well, this is said in context. And it's said in the context of this chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. You usually hear this chapter at weddings because it's very appropriate at a wedding that we would act mature towards each other. However, this wasn't meant for just marriages. This was meant for human relationships, whether it be the relationship of a neighbor, whether it be the relationship of brothers and sisters, whether it be a relationship um, of a family, whether it be the relationship between spouses, and of course, of the relationship between the church, between believers among each other. So follow along with me. It's not going to be up here. So if you look up there, it's not there. That's why you now have the Bible app on your phone. Congratulations. Follow along. Verse 1, and this is uh, the Bible that we hand out. Um, the translation is uh, the New International Version. If it's different, it's still the same word, just said in a different way. Verse 1, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and some of us feel like we have this gift. And if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I don't have love, I gain nothing. This is maturity, what I'm about to read right here. This is what, this is what love looks like. That's what maturity is. Maturity is love. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, 
always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. This is what it means to be grown up. It means to treat each other with honor. It means to be patient, to be kind, to not envy, to not be easily angered, to always protect, always trust, always hope, always persevere. That's what it means to be mature. That's what it means to look like Christ. And none of us is going to be perfect in that, but we need to strive to this. Nowhere was I able to find in Christ's words or in the word of God where it says that we need to, be, that we need to fight to be right. But we need to fight for each other. We need to fight to protect each other, to care for each other, to love each other. Even our enemies. I believe it's Luke 4 or 5. When Jesus talks about us loving our enemies. Not only does he say love our enemies, but do good to those who hate us. And some of you have a list of enemies in your head right now. And you are trying to figure out how to deal with this. Be mature. Be a grown-up. Pray for them and do good to them. Now, in your mind is probably what would be in my mind. But there's no buts in this. There is no other option. In fact, I'm, it's really unfortunate that the carpet's gone because my voice is just going to get loud because I can't help myself. <laughs> this is important. There are no buts to this. We are called to love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourself. Regardless of who's in office, who was in office, who's coming in office, regardless of the Supreme Court and these issues, and all of those things are important. But nothing trumps loving our neighbor, and it starts in the church. And we have shown ourselves to be immature. And it's time for us to seek the Lord for forgiveness and to seek each other. That's where we have to go from here. Man, I have so much more scripture here, and I don't think we're going to be able to get to it. But I want to get to a couple more. I want to get to a couple more. This is one I always go to because I, I find when something rises up in me, and when I basically want to fight with someone, uh, whether it be physical or mental or whatever it is, and unfortunately, it's usually those that are closest to me, um, this is the passage that comes to mind. James chapter 4, 1 and 2. 
James says, why do you fight and argue with each other? Think about that. The answer is here now. Like the answer of why we fight with each other. Right here. Isn't it because you are full of selfish desire that fight to control your body? You want something you don't have and you will do anything to get it. You will even kill. Think about it. Think about it in the past month, the past 15 minutes, the past hour, the past two years. At a moment when you were angry, if you sum it up and you go down to why you were so angry and where did that come from? Why did you get into that fight? Why are you in this conflict with another person? Because you want something and you're not getting it. Which is the definition of a child. Uh, my kids have moved out of that stage. Now, when I say out of that stage, I don't mean out of the stage of selfishness. Trust me, that has not happened. But they're no longer babies that just scream for something. And you're like, what is it? Do you need food? Do you need this thing? Do you need to be held? What do you need? And you just want to fix it because you just can't stand the crying. And you wish the child would understand what they're doing to you. And so it's almost like you're in this quarrel with the child, but the child does not care. And the child will continue to go. And so you try to put their needs above your own. But it's meant to be that there are two mature people eventually that are putting the needs of the other person above their own and trying to listen. That's where we're at. Why do we fight? Why do we quarrel? Because we don't get what we want, which is the definition of a child. Okay, one more. Can't help myself. So what do you do with this? Like, what, what are we supposed to do with this? Here's the easiest thing. The best first step you can do. Just don't say anything. You'd be surprised how much pain can be avoided if we just don't talk. Now, of course, that's not the only way because we're called to love, not just be quiet, not just be mutes. And, of course, you can say nothing and it just shows on your face. You know, so obviously there's ways to communicate that aren't with words. But this passage, especially when I was, uh, um, when I was sick and I was looking at all scriptures on healing, this one was so powerful to me. Proverbs 12, 18. The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. See, we are called to bring healing. We're not just called to not make people hurt. We're called to bring about healing. And this is Proverbs, which is a collection of wisdom, which is a collection of mature statements. A mature person would represent Proverbs. And a mature person would not be reckless with their words, but instead the mature person would use words for healing. You are given that gift. This isn't about avoiding doing something bad. This is about being very intentional about doing something good, something that brings healing. And you have that opportunity. You've been given that gift. Even if your tongue doesn't work, even if you are a mute, you have the ability to write. You have so many other ways to communicate. And you are given the gift of healing. You have that. You are called to use it, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor 
as yourself, to bring healing to your neighbor. That is what we're called to. And so let's close with this verse, which is the verse we started with, except I added the last part because I left a verse out. Um, it's in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, 37, and I left out 40, verse 40 the first time, but I'm going to include it this time. Love the Lord your God. And I know we focused on loving our neighbor, but it begins with our intention to know God's love and for us to have that mutual love with him, to put him above us. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets, all of the word of God, hang on these two commandments. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Which means any but you may have, put it to the side because it all sums up right here. When we talk about, you know, the series that we're going through, the Bible for Dummies, if you've got this verse, then you've got the word of God because everything else hangs on these two. It hangs down from it, hierarchically. Everything fills into this. This is who we are. This is who we are called to be. And for that reason, we need to understand this. We need to live this. And we need to be able to look at each other and live this out. Now, we need to be honest with each other. A lot of us have hurt people, and a lot of us have been hurt. And most of us have done both. I don't think there's anyone here that's innocent of not hurting people. Because all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. However, we are given opportunity when we gather together to seek his forgiveness and to seek forgiveness from each other. And I want to add this one. You need to forgive someone most likely today. And when you love your neighbors yourself, you need to give them the benefit of the doubt. They probably didn't know they were hurting you. They may have said something face to face. They may, you may have overheard them saying something. You may still have Facebook on your phone. You, don't, you got rid of that, right? Like you understand that is just the danger zone. Okay? Like you, you've understood like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they're saying that. And then you just keep looking to see who else said something. And yet you've seen something, you heard something, and they've hurt you. Give them the benefit of the doubt. They're still growing. And you're still growing. Forgive them. Try to understand them. And if you know you aren't mature enough yet to handle that, then just don't deal with it. And what I mean by that on a political issue. But this is where we're headed. This is who we are. This is what we're about. People are like, well, what's branches about? What's your focus? This. This is who we are. We want to love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbors ourselves. This is us. And uh, my last words uh, will be this. We had a, a, a friend here at church who I believe has a very specific spiritual gift. And uh, he wrote to me on December 18th. And most likely, this person has the gift of prophecy. 
And I thought I understood what prophecy meant biblically, and I thought, okay, that doesn't exist anymore. It looks like this now. And yet this person has exhibited those characteristics. And we were actually talking, and he said, "Uh, I studied it, and I I don't know if it's um, me. And I said, why? Um, Because every prophet I read about in the Bible is a jerk. (laughs) I said, well, we'll deal with that one later. I said, but um, the fact is, is that you seem... God seems to give you pictures of things that are going to happen before they happen. And I don't see that very much. And you notice I'm being very anonymous because I don't want any of you going, hey, who's going to win the Super Bowl? You know, I want to put some money down. It's not that kind of, and it's, it's, and for most people, your spiritual gifts scare you. And so this spiritual gift scares this person. And yet, um, on December 18th, this person said this, brother, be ready this season. Something big is going to happen. And it will benefit our community of branches. I'm not sure who or what, but it will break us. Does that sound familiar? This was December. But it will break us. And then he says this. Then make us stronger. And then uh, this person texted me. Um, about a week ago and said, I know what it is now. And that's what we talked about this morning. It's this political climate. Don't just leave here thinking about the politicalness of it. I pray that you will leave remembering the call that God has put on all those who would call Jesus their Lord and Savior, who would follow him to make the main thing the main thing which is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to love our neighbor as ourselves. So I want to pray for us. Uh, I want to invite any of you who would like to be prayed over, um, either because you are hurt or because you want to be made aware of who you might have hurt. If you could stand with me. Um, And then... They will be right outside here to just pray over you. You don't even have to tell them what it is. Just say, hey, I need prayer. I need to forgive someone or I need to be forgiven. Um, or I need to, to grow in this. I want to grow up. How do I do that? So I want to pray for us. Um, we'll be taking the offering after this uh, first song. And then we'll see where the Lord takes us and where the, our worship team leads us. Father. May we leave this morning wrestling with your word. Not my words, but your word. I pray that you would teach us how to humble ourselves like your son did. How we can take on the nature of a servant. How we can put the interest of others above our own. Father, there are definitely fractures not only through branches, but through our sister churches and all over this nation. So Father, we surrender our church, the big C, the big church to you. And ask, Father, that, um, that you would use this brokenness to make us stronger. May this time teach us how to love you and love our neighbor at a deeper level. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.